Hello and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. I'm ZC. And I'm Liz. And this is a podcast uh, for lapsed Harry Potter fans. Um, and as lapsed fans do, we watched not one, but two documentaries last night. Yeah, it was a real treat. We really treated ourselves. <laughs> yeah, like all the fun things that you could do. Uh, we chose watching two TV puff pieces about an author we uh, pretty explicitly don't like. Yeah. Um, one, the, the first one we watched, I have definitely seen before. Like I, I have a vivid memory of watching it probably when it came out, which was 2001. Right after the first movie, right? Uh I think what? I think right I think yeah because it, it yep because it was after the first movie um and after the fourth book that's right um and I remember and it was in 2001 so I I just I remember really liking it and a big part of that was just all of the little clues that were dropped. I was very enchanted because there's this great scene where she's sitting with this box of notes Oh, yeah. And she says, like, she knows what all the characters have for breakfast <laughs> or something like that. And I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. I want to know what Snape has for breakfast. Oh, probably rude first years. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's an incredible like so. It's it's this like made for TV documentary. It has a bunch of movie footage in it, which is probably a big selling point at the time. We're like, because uh, this would have been like before the DVD came out for sure. Um, and like the footage of her in her like it keeps going back to this footage of her in her apartment or I don't know where she actually is um, with all her writing stuff. And like she teases you with the, the epilogue, which is like maybe the best part of this whole thing. She has the epilogue in this big, scary yellow folder um, and like won't show it to them. Um, and then there's like her notes that she won't show. There's the diary that she wrote like a first draft of the chapter in. And it's really this whole thing where she's like, I don't know about you if you took any like writing classes in high school or college or anything, but like the first thing that like every fiction writing class I have ever taken says is like, you should know things about your characters that never make it into the story. Like that's just a normal thing. That, that is how writers write. That is how you get a sense of the characters and her very seriously talking about her process, like design it, you know, like I know everything about my characters. Like, as if this is some new thing she's invented is really funny. Yeah, she invented it. There's a lot of stuff that she invented, according to this documentary, uh, as it goes on. Yeah, she invented note-taking, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, she invented <laughs> note-taking. She invented mapping out your story. She invented uh, knowing about your characters. Yeah, um, and also magic. She, okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah um there it's a little bit of backstory here because i don't think we actually talked about this last week uh but we found or you found this incredible tweet from her saying that the uh one religion that wouldn't be allowed or, or like wouldn't fit in hogwarts <sighs> would be wicca because she thinks that uh wicca is just like completely incompatible with her magic system which is really funny because um, planetary alignment, uh, 
uh, like the holy nature of cats and owls, et cetera, like wormwood, all of this stuff is like has has bases in like Wicca and folklore. But she insists that she made it up, which is fucking incredible to me. It, it I when I found this tweet about Wiccans not being at Hogwarts, it just sent me down this this rabbit hole. Like I I think I, like J.K. Rowling says just insane stuff all the time about her books and but this one I think like flew under the radar a little bit because all of the other stuff she says is just so unacceptable for the most part and um and this one I just can't stop thinking everything, about it I mean everything J.K. Rowling has said post the books coming out has been insane this one I feel is just particular brand of insane that like imagine it was any other religion like wicca i guess it is obscure enough and has been like socially acceptable to make fun of for long enough that this just sort of flew under the radar but like imagine if it was fucking anything else like yeah i don't think this religion would fit in hogwarts like why just don't say that like like yeah, I mean this this tweet um she this is in a tweet thread I think. Um and it came from when people were asking her about religions and she uh confirmed that uh there is a Jewish student at Hogwarts. And and this was like the continuation. She's like, "Oh yes, um Anthony Goldstein is a is a Jewish person at Hogwarts, but you know who wouldn't be at Hogwarts?" <laughs> like it just had to get like in, in this question about like hey is there like representation of my faith in in this in this world you've created she's like yes and also there's definitely not any representation of this other one it's absolutely ludicrous i yeah it's it's insane but we sort of get like from this documentary i get this feeling one i think she is more religious than she might let on like like her, she is clearly very bothered deeply by the um, the criticism that the books get from Christian groups, and it almost feels like this weird knee jerk reaction that like you know the, these Christian groups are saying, oh, the Harry Potter books are teaching kids witchcraft and Wicca, and she goes, uh, no, actually, I hate Wicca too. Like it's so bizarre. Yeah, I yeah, I think it's actually in the second documentary that they ask her explicitly about that and she she gets heated like she is upset and you know i don't blame her like having like weird christian groups tell you that their your books are you know propaganda for the devil probably isn't like the nicest thing to hear but it's all it's also just like But she takes it a step further (laughs) like i mean addressing things that really don't need a response is sort of a like running theme in these documentaries like in the first 10 minutes of the first one harry potter and me uh she starts getting (laughs) fucking heated about like tabloids writing about her like unprompted apparently like like there's no question it's not like the narrator doesn't say anything about this like she's just talking about one thing and then she goes and you know what else sucks these people making stuff up about how much money i have or uh or like what's happening in the books um and at one point she says that uh she won't name names although i would because 
they should pay for their crimes. Like, it's so weird. These evil, evil people. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, completely unprompted. You, you... Like, J.K. Rowling seems very reclusive, but if you do get her on camera, she will tell you fucking anything. Like, and, and maybe too much. Probably too much. But she won't name names. She won't name names. These foul yeah. villains. These foul villains who asked her questions about the books. It, it's, it's, it's very weird. Um, Stephen Fry has some thoughts about fantasy fiction. <laughs> I don't know what Stephen Fry was. Uh, I don't. I don't know what he was thinking. Very, but that he, it was it, that whole thing was just a delight. I enjoyed every minute of everything he had to say. Because I like. I, so so the for people who who are maybe like our American audience, Steve Fry is sort of linked to Harry Potter as the narrator of the audiobooks in England, and I guess he's like really good friends with J.K. Rowling or something because he appears all the time in these documentaries with her and like there's like fo- the photo shoot in the in between them in the second one right um but it, it like he he appears on camera and then he launches into this thing about how harry potter is good because it's unlike normal fantasy it's governed by very strict rules which is just not true first of all like that's that's like <laughs> Harry Potter maybe has fewer rules than most famous fantasy fiction, and that's fine, but it's not an accurate assessment of the story. And then he keeps on rambling about this before saying it's so much better than typical feeble-minded fantasy. And like then it just cuts him off, and he like <laughs> they like move on to the next thing. But it's it's so weird. It, yeah, it's bizarre. I don't know what he was even talking about. It just came so out of left field, and I loved it. It was just like it was very throwing good. like weird shade at Lord of the Rings because it's not grounded in reality, which is <laughs> which is so nuts. Because like if your criticism of like if if your assessment of Harry Potter is it's good because the rules are very rigid, and then you're throwing shots at Lord of the Rings, like I've got news for you: most people stop reading Lord of the Rings because it takes too long to explain the rules. Like that's like the number one criticism of Lord of the Rings, and yeah, it's it's some really really weird stuff. Um, and and like this is all in like the first fifteen minutes or so of this hour long documentary. We have J.K. Rowling. Uh, going popping off about journalists we have jk rowling uh um uh claiming that she invented magic or like she invented all of the magic in harry potter and doesn't draw from any real life sources except references to british folklore which i hate to break it to her but the references to british folklore are wicca and druidism like that is those are the like those are what those things are and then we get Stephen Fry throwing shade at Lord of the Rings. And then we get uh, a lovely and heartbreaking visit to the apartment that she wrote most of the first book in. Yeah. Uh, it is very heartbreaking to imagine someone living in a tiny apartment. But thankfully, she wasn't stupid enough to have one without heating. What kind of fucking idiot? Like this is one of her somewhere. This is one no of her heat. journalism things. Like like while while she's walking to this apartment, um, which like 
maybe it's been like i don't know spruced up in the time but like it looks fine it looks like a normal like lower middle class area and apartment but she's walking his apartment and she's saying oh it's not good enough for you know for the journalists that i was you know i was a single mother writing uh they they were saying that i wrote on napkins that i didn't have heating and i like as if i would be stupid enough to have an apartment without heating like no one asked you this like you don't have to you don't have to say this you really don't have to say this stuff um she's wearing a fur coat which i don't know if the i thought that was the second one no that's 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 the first one. Oh, yeah the first one she's wearing this like big fur coat in this like tiny apartment what? or maybe she's wearing no you know what you might be right maybe it is the second one maybe which is great that we got this scene twice in two different yeah. documentaries. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to the second one. Um, but yeah, this like weird imagery of 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 her, and she like stands in this apartment, trashing it. Like like she has a real like through both of these, you get this real sense of contempt that she has for like living poor, and then like she sort of like realizes that she's talking about someone's apartment because it's like you know someone else lives there now and then she goes like oh but it's really nice now and and i'd be delighted to live here and it looks so different this is like <laughs> right after her like walking up the stairs saying like what a piece of shit this place was and like it's it's really funny yeah i, I mean it, she keeps whenever she talks about this time in her life which i you know i feel for her she was a single mother living on benefits and you know that's tough um and when she talks about it she just talks about how she keeps bringing up like i made such a mess of my life like oh i really fucked up big time to be in this position yeah it's like how yeah well i I understand she had like a failed marriage like to be clear but i don't not making fun of her for being poor definitely confused by her attitude to her own situation here you know like it's it's very contemptuous and strange the way she talks about this stuff yeah she has has a kind of odd odd perspective on it for sure um like and that comes across like way even like way even more awkwardly in the scene where she's hanging out with her childhood friend sean who oh no she's apparently the inspiration for ron and there are these absolutely like cringeworthy scenes of her hanging out with ron them talking about their childhood <laughs> her talking about like what a sad life it is like like oh uh, like how shitty and pathetic our lives were when we were like not rich or you know not famous and like he's just standing there looking like i really feel for the guy he he's like clearly been like dragged into this thing that he has no idea about like he he he's asked a couple questions about like like being ron or like being the inspiration for ron or whatever um and then she starts correcting him on stuff like while he's answering interview questions and yeah she's like uh well actually ron is not that way or whatever it's like she got him on to talk about being ron he's asked questions about it and then she immediately like steps in to correct him like as he's answering questions and like this poor guy who like is clearly not as rich as her or famous and like being 
I don't know, just like being dragged in front of a camera by your rich like old friend and like does it imply that they used to date or something i, I think i missed that part because like they're talking about like i don't i don't know it is it is a it's a torturous it's scene so like they're talking about sitting and drinking on the beach and like hanging out in like their car or whatever and he's just sort of like looks like he wants to be anywhere else and i really feel for him in that in that situation like oh it's so so awkward poor sean if if sean sean if you're listening i feel for you buddy poor ron, poor ron. or poor ron sean sean <laughs> yeah i mean we do we do learn that um i don't know if this is in the second documentary but that jk rowling is hermione oh that's no that yeah that is the first documentary when she goes to the school where none of the kids give a shit that she's there <laughs> i think some of the older kids gave a shit like a like a little bit like as much as a kid can give a shit yeah um but it was it was very funny because she, she goes to like her old school and the kids have to ask her very scripted questions <laughs> well, and... there's specifically that introduction where i don't know why they didn't cut this out because it's so weird like there's the, the homeroom teacher is like how many of you have read harry potter and like a few of them raise their hands and then she goes well we have a very special guest for you today it's jk rowling and like there's no response at all and she like comes in from the back and, like <laughs> walks around all of them and she like tells this kid to move or she'll step on him like it's really <laughs> it's so it's like something out of the office it's so awkward the richest woman in the world is here <laughs> we're living in a lower middle class area here she comes and, yeah it's really <laughs> it's so bizarre and yeah, like she, oh yeah, she tells like a bunch of like seven-year-olds that they will probably hate everything they write, which is a really great motivate. Like, not that that's wrong, but like these are like eight-year-olds asking for writing advice. Like maybe like st st stow some of the adult depression away, I guess. Like, yeah, stick with like the kid, the kids, kid stuff. Writing stick with tips. like, like yeah, like stick with like the hero's journey or something for eight-year-olds. Like, don't write write what you know. Yeah, don't. I don't know. Yeah, that seems easy. Yeah, don't don't tell them like oh oh, and then you'll kill lots of trees is the other thing she tells them. You're you'll hate oh. you'll hate everything you write, and you will kill a lot of trees. And like they clearly don't get that joke. Like no. I, I, like i do kind of feel for her because she just seems so awkward like I, I don't know why she agreed to do with this at all <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of a thing here is these documentaries definitely kept making me sympathize with her almost before she said some or like other outrageous thing like like you could clearly tell in like the sean scenes that she didn't want to be there either but also she's there and like could have just said no like there's plenty of other interview footage like i just don't know what's her idea and what's their idea and why she'd agree to it and every time i feel like almost sorry for her uh or like being in these weird documentaries she like says something about how her real friends don't ask for money and have adjusted to her being mega rich and like shit like that like it's so weird yeah i yeah so because like that's the first one and then we got to watch it a second one that was after the seventh book was written so she was much more used to being in a documentary like you could you could tell she she changed and was went from being extremely rich to mega rich yeah 
Uh, there's a good scene at the beginning of this one where she's wine drunk and talking about her haircut, which is a really, really bizarre scene. Yeah, and she's with her sister? Yeah, she's with her sister. They're drinking wine and, like, looking at, like, teenage photos of themselves and, like, talking about their haircut. While the... So, so, so I said that, like, these documentaries almost got me sympathetic for her. This one comes the closest because the host of this is, like, a psychopath. This guy is the creepiest documentary uh, interviewer I've ever seen in, in anything. He starts yeah, this, off... This is a call-out for, this is a call for out James for, Runcie. For James Runcie, who, according to Wikipedia, graduated from the Dragon School, which is way less cool than it sounds. Um... But he he starts his documentary off and it's like <laughs> he it's he you know he has a little bit of narration where he says, you know, I'm James Runcie and I want to figure out how does JK Rowling do it? And then it immediately cuts to like her in her cottage or like summer co- winter cottage or whatever. And he's like, I wanted to ask some questions. And then it's like <laughs> fucking like she he she he leads off with like what what is your like do do you believe in morality uh uh what is your least favorite vice uh do you believe in god like just really bizarre line of questioning for her Um, yeah he just starts like interrogating her with just these just bizarre questions although i will say that her least favorite vice is bigotry, bigotry which okay (laughs) let's yeah let's walk this one back a little bit you invented a race of fantasy creatures that love to be slaves and also like uh, you can you can find it if you want if you really want to see what jk rowling's been up to recently but she's been uh liking some some bullshit on twitter yeah maybe she was wine drunk yeah maybe yeah maybe when the she gets a little turfy when the wine hits (laughs) just awful i i mean i yeah i mean she liked a turf tweet there's not not much to say about that i when i first when i first saw it i was just like is there there's like a non-zero chance that she saw that tweet and literally just didn't understand it yeah but But probably not but probably not and and if she doesn't if she didn't know what it meant then it just like proves how out of touch and like yeah i I, I don't know it's gross but her i do feel sorry for her being interrogated by this madman who is doing a professor snape impression like (laughs) that's the only thing i i think justifies his weird uh behavior in this documentary he is so creepy and uh pushy with really weird like when they go to the church that she's like talking about like having a summer job in or whatever and he's like pressing her on like like do you believe in god and like what you know what is faith to you and it's like you would you chill out she wrote children's books like like it's it's on the flip side he then also does ask her some fairly reasonable questions later about money that she seems way more offended about than the ones about like religion. And I would just flip those around. Like it feels way more tacky to like grill someone about their religious beliefs than it is to ask them how much money they made, you know, like it's, it's very strange. Yeah. She has like a very, uh, what I would describe as a familiar response to the money questions, just 
uh, you know, people who are of that generation, which is like the it's private thing. So I I like am like, I don't even want to say I'm sympathetic to that. But it just seems so familiar to me, right? Like you keep your your money private and who you vote for private. Yeah. Um, But she she's richer than God. So yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty like no pun intended. It's pretty rich of her to talk about how it's you know impolite to talk about money while then also the next scene she's in on a private jet flying to talk to warner brothers about uh, a theme park about her characters like it's just like come on right like i she won't answer those questions and gets very offended and very like it's private and and kind of kind of freaks out in a weird way but she still agrees to let the cameras follow her to her like shopping at tiffany and like oh, talk God. about her and like her her shoe shopping um she, she has some thoughts also on her private jet so she, she tells a women be shopping joke she like, does she she's like trying on tiffany's stuff and then she's like oh why do girls like shoes so much and it's like what <laughs> <laughs> you tell me i don't know and it was kind of in that moment where I'm just like, she's so like basic, you know, like I just, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I think that she's been built up and I'm just like, this is just like a normal lady. Yeah. She, I mean, that's what happens, right. Cause she, she got lucky, right. She's a normal lady and she got re- lucky and got to be mega rich. And that's what a normal, like fucking basic lady would be. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then he even asks her, like, the one really good question he asks her when they go to the, they do the apartment thing again. They go to a different apartment, which is the one she finished the first book in. I at first When we first watched it, we thought they were going back to the same one, but it's actually different. The first documentary, she goes to the one she wrote most of the book in. In the second documentary, she goes to the one where I guess she finished it. Uh, I guess those are different. Um, but while they're in this apartment, he asks her what do you think you got lucky uh and she just like (laughs) pauses for a moment like looks around and goes it was lucky that i got the idea which like come on like (laughs) yeah yeah it's lucky yeah she's a self-made self-made woman uh bootstraps all that shit it's yeah we learned we learned a lot about jk rowling and her her weird weird uh attitudes towards her fame yeah very weird but also extremely normal yeah weird how normal she is but like not in the positive way where it's like wow this famous person is just like us it's like oh no this famous person is just like everybody else (laughs) like great yeah um i find that her attitude about her her books is really weird like she she talked a few times like about because for the second one it was after she wrote the seventh book and she had this summation of oh this is right yeah yeah books were about and i'm like wow that does sound really nice but i'm pretty sure that's just not true (laughs) yeah she was saying about how harry potter is a story about uh confront was it like confronting someone who or like confronting death and confronting someone who seeks immortality by consuming the lives of others which is like a much more succinct and interesting sounding theme than i think these books actually have right like i guess like that is explicitly what happens like if if i were asked 
what happens in Harry Potter. Yeah, in a very literal <laughs> sense, that's true. Like, thematically, I think it's... Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I guess... guess we'll... I have almost zero memory of the seventh book, so... Yeah. Uh, I could be wrong. Like, I, I remember kind of the main main points and those it just it was an it's just a weird perspective it's very yeah it's a it's a very work and, and it, I, like again another scene where it's quite sympathetic where she's talking about how her, the death of her mother affected her and inspired her to write and like there are these moments where where i would i was just like yeah okay i relate to this writer and then she would say something fucking insane. Like, I don't understand why everyone doesn't want to be a writer. Just start writing and like, no one will have to be poor. Like it's, <laughs> it's yeah. weird. Yeah. It's, Thanks, JK. It's, uh, we did learn that she's a train nerd. She is a train nerd. She's nerdy about trains. Nerdy for trains, which is great. Um, well, I guess I guess if if you want to watch these, check them out. Like, I mean, I'd say don't, but they're on YouTube and we watched them and we have, we almost watched three, but we had to, we had to uh, save some content. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't, I can't wait for the next one. Well, the next one is hosted by Professor Flitwick, which I'm pretty excited about. That is exciting. What I'm, I, cause the next one is like Fantastic Beasts related, right? Yes. So I'm looking for because we watched the first one, which is like 2001, and we watched this the second one. So I'm I'm interested to see how, how this trilogy how she is ends. Now that she, yeah, now that she has a theme park and, and <laughs> oh, that's whatever. true. It's like it's like character development. The first one, the first documentary, uh, she had just done a successful book reading. In the second one, she was in a meeting uh, about a theme park. In <laughs> I mean, and so like in documentary three who knows uh maybe she'll talk about buying her like classic british manor or whatever yeah so we we have that to look forward to um yeah so good use of our time great use of our time and speaking of good uses of our time i think uh, would you want do you want to take us into our, our reading for this week yeah i do um so i mean that's not sarcastic. I do think this is a good use of our time because yeah. these chapters were just like really good, which also made watching those documentaries very funny to me because yes. they were so wild. And then I'm like, these two chapters are so like, just like fun and kind of understated, I guess. I, these, um, these are such good character development chapters. Yeah. I, I liked them a lot. So we read chapter nine and 10 and chapter nine is the midnight duel. Um, I do want to say that in the first paragraph, Malfoy knows about helicopters and, <laughs> yes. I, and like, I can't, I, I feel I never would have expected so much like weird muggle references by wizards in the books. I don't know why I've got this like perception that they're just so clueless. And I don't know if they become more clueless as, a, as like time goes on. I think but my benchmark is Arthur Weasley because he's like explicitly written i'm fairly sure he's written as like he's like a muggle nerd but he doesn't know what like an outlet is is he just really bad at his job like maybe, is that yeah. what is that what that is maybe that's yeah. why they're poor oh uh, yeah the meritocracy yeah he just can't rise up because he's <laughs> can't learn what electrical outlets are yeah um 
so yeah, so they're the like, chapter starts out and they're all talking about Quidditch and and the whole the whole point of that is like Harry feels like worried because he's he's you know didn't grow up with Quidditch or brooms and Malfoy's telling these boastful stories that always seem to end with him narrowly escaping Muggle helicopters and it's I so I am just going crazy over this line because <laughs> okay so the, the implication is that that's not happening right right. But he's getting that idea from somewhere. Right. He knows what helicopters are. He knows what helicopters are, but I feel like the only place you would get that from is like muggle movies. Where else are you getting the idea of a helicopter chase? He's like, like he's from like a a pretty extreme pureblood family who probably wouldn't want like, like I could totally see like some like muggle-borns or like half-bloods like hanging out and watching some muggle movies or something like that makes sense. But this idea that like Lucius Malfoy is like, like gather around children. I've purchased a VCR and we're going to watch point break. Like it's just really <laughs> weird. Like, Yeah. I, I, like, it, it just wouldn't happen. Like I, right. I really like this line. I like all this stuff, but I just can't get over this is, this is another thing where it's like this is awesome in this chapter but if you the more you think about it the more it falls apart like and yeah and okay the other alternative is that it did happen and he did narrowly escape from muggle helicopters in which case maybe harry is summarizing what he's saying because maybe malfoy doesn't know what it was like he was like oh it was this horrible muggle like flying hollow bird and harry was like oh that's a helicopter oh uh, yeah but I don't uh, think. Okay. But I don't think so. I, I don't. Yeah. I do not think that's the implication here. But that's my. Yeah, my that's your new head cannon. That is my head cannon. Um, yeah. And then the second one is that Ron knows what hang gliders are, which I don't know. Like <laughs> I think that's more reasonable because I feel like wizard. I mean, hang gliders are not peak muggle technology or anything. Yeah. Well, also, like they don't they live like in a big field? Maybe hang gliders are. Who knows? I don't know. Or maybe, like if you have maybe brooms, Arthur, you wouldn't mess around with hang gliders. Yeah, maybe Arthur had a like extreme sports phase. Yeah, yeah. I I just I've been really struck by how many weird Muggle references, and there's like another one in this chapter. Um, like I'll just mention it now. Um, Oliver Wood has plain golf balls. And oh, that's that's double weird because he doesn't know what basketball is. Right, and like, and like, Ron doesn't know what soccer is, so I don't, yeah. I don't know what those, I don't know, I don't know where they got those golf balls. Well, I, 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 I want to say no. Oh wait, no, I'm thinking. Okay, never mind. I was thinking of the Hobbit because there is a line about golf in the Hobbit, but what? that's yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> wait. Yeah. There's. <laughs> Do they play on yeah. um, golf in the Shire? uh no it's so like there's it was the thing that came okay we're getting way off track here but this is funny when the first hobbit movie came out there's a line that gandalf says about uh the invention of golf uh and people got really mad and were like oh that's not you can't do that in lord (laughs) of the rings i was like there there are explicit references to golf in in tolkien stuff because golf i guess is like a really old scottish thing so you know it, it it fits in this like medieval world but it's uh uh I, I i always get okay this is my my sad uh uh chain of events here i got dumbledore mixed up with gandalf talking about golf so <laughs> oliver yeah maybe oliver would uh i don't know 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like golf is one of those. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to golf. So if we have any golf fans listening, I'm sorry. But I feel like it's totally reasonable for uh, like people to happen upon golf as a sport independently. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's weird that they would call it golf in the Shire, but yeah, that's fine. Yeah, um, that's that's very funny. Um, so, yeah, I don't know why Oliver Wood has golf balls. I don't know his parentage. I don't know if he's a half blood, but he doesn't know what basketball is. So. Yeah, that. Yeah. But um, like weird, weird muggle references aside, I, I think this is like the strongest stuff that's been in this book so far and like i'm reading uh, as i was reading these chapters i just kept on thinking like okay now i like i really get and remember why this was so big and why this was so um influential at the time because these these chapters and especially the midnight duel because it has so much of it um just has some of the best subtle character building through dialogue like I, 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 like these, these feel like real people talking to each other. You can tell who's talking at any given point, um, you know, even without the the tags, just because you, you get a sense of how these characters behave. And it's, it's really, really fun to read um, like Harry and Ron bantering. There's so many good Harry and Ron like zingers in this chapter. Yeah, there, there are. And um, the characters are just so likable. All the likable characters are, and you just you you love to hate Draco and Harry and Ron are great, and it really um, Harry's like fish out of water thing really works really well. But um, all of the dialogue is so like snappy and and well done. I think, and and like okay, they the they walk such a good line with Hermione in these. Like I I mentioned this I think in our second episode. I was really worried about the Hermione stuff just because I was like, are they just like way meaner than I remember? Is just gonna be really awful? Like them bullying her for chap like a couple chapters and then just like magically being friends later. But it 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 feels so earnest the way like she is earnestly incredibly annoying in in these chapters, but you feel for her and you understand why, you know, why she would be that way. And Harry and Ron are quite standoffish and mean to her, but they kind of have a reason to, and also they clearly feel bad about it. Like every, every joke they tell at her expense is accompanied by some line about like, you know, them looking or feeling uneasy as soon as the words have left their mouth, which is like very relatable as like, kids shit talking kind of like it it feels it's very sweet at the end yeah i agree and i also think that um it's it comes across much more like kids having a fight to me yes um rather than like someone just kind of being bullied um i i think this might be like this perception is a little bit of a failure of the movies or the, yes. the, the movie, because I don't think that these like scenes were set up very well. Um, like we had in these two chapters, there are so many like iconic movie lines that were lifted out of the books and stuck into the movies. And I think made worse for it. Totally. Um, when I, I like, I, again, it's been a long time since I've seen the first movie. Um, but 
the Wingardium Leviosa scene that is Hermione's like iconic line that everyone loves has just a completely different tone to me reading it. Yeah. Um, Because she's mad at them already. And it's like, like they're having, they're actively in a fight kind of, um, whereas the scene in the movie to me just seemed like a just standalone Right, like she's happened. just being a bossy child in the in the movie scene and it's irritating whereas in the in the book scene like they've already like had the narrow escape with her like ruining the the the, the duel um and also well it's too it's twofold because it's they're perhaps legitimately upset with her for her nearly um getting them caught when they went to meet malfoy for the duel they're also probably mad that she was completely right about it being a trick <laughs> yes um, so there's so it, it, it like which is a, a running thing with her right is like she's annoying but she's totally right um you know it's like the way the way she expresses this stuff could be irritating but she's not wrong um which is uh i don't know it's not something that i remember coming across very well in the film yeah and i I don't I don't know much about film adaptation, but I when I read these chapters, I feel like I could pick out I, I felt like I was someone that was like, oh, if I'm trying to adapt this, like I could pick out those blocks of text that clearly, you know, the, the person who was writing the screenplay like highlighted those and were like, oh, I love <laughs> this. This is so clever. This is great. And then they lifted it, put it in the movie and it just falls flat. Um, another one of those moments for me was um Neville's iconic movie line, which is um, during the flying lesson. Um, and it's when he's explaining the remember all. And he says, um, like, he explains what it is. And then the, you know, he doesn't say this dialogue line. It says, Neville was trying to remember what he'd forgotten in the book. Yeah. In the movie, he says that out loud, which I think just like ruins the- all the cleverness of that and the pacing of that moment yeah and there's another thing too is that the that scene with the flying lesson um where harry like there's there's a good balance here that that really hammers home that like harry and ron aren't like bullies to um towards hermione which is what i was worried about Mm -hmm. uh rereading it's it it because the 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 first reaction Harry has when Malfoy starts uh, picking on Neville is to stand up for him. And I love this scene. It's, it's like, it's this very like hot blooded, like, I mean, like there's that, that fantastic line where he flies up to him and says like, your little friends aren't here to, to save your neck or whatever, which is like, it's, I really like Harry. I like you, you root for him in these situations where he's, you know, he's standing up for his friends or, or in this case, Neville's not even really his friend at this point like he's just standing up for someone who's clearly being pushed around um and and it, it's such a it's it's a small i, I want to say it's a small scene because it is in the book like he just flies up to malfoy and catches the ball when he throws it like we keep bringing the movies into this but like do you remember how fucking long and insufferable this scene is in the film where it's like this whole chase sequence <laughs> action cgi sequence. action sequence where they're like zipping around and like harry catches it right before it smashes like professor mcgonagall's window in the tower or something like 
so overcomplicated for what should just be this really simple scene of him standing up to a bully um um and uh speaking of character development i also adore this scene where he thinks mcgonagall is mad at him but she's actually just super stoked that the, uh the sports team has a new seeker yes i love this it is um and again I just like think of the scale of everything happening works so well and she like is happy that maybe they'll be able to beat Slytherin and is just big big sports fan McGonagall and it's so cute it's so good and like because like Harry thinks that he's being dragged off to see Dumbledore to get expelled or whatever and but like because and 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 like to be fair like from from our perspective we have only seen McGonagall being like stern and mean and and no nonsense but this 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 little twist to her character that she loves the the school sports teams so much that she will break the rules to get harry on the team and buy him a broom is fucking amazing yeah and she pulls like like, oliver wood out of class to tell him this yeah like she's so stoked about this she pulls another kid out of class to like tell him about it yeah it's so good um do we, do we want to talk about Madame Hooch? This is our... Yeah. I, I want to talk about this because I... This is our this is our exciting Pottermore segment. Oh, yeah. Oh, our favorite website. Um, when I first read the Madame Hooch part, I was at first shocked that she they didn't trolley witch her, being like she's not some kind of magical creature because she has yellow eyes and this is just like a... I just can't believe she has it. yellow eyes and is like na- a natural flyer. It's like she's not. You'd expect that, like in Cursed Child, she'd appear and she's like, "I was an owl transfiguration master or something like or like that." You yeah. know, like yeah. So, so that was shocking to me. Um, but what we did learn is that uh, she was probably in World War One. Oh God, it's so. <laughs> she was a bomber in World War One, but like. Also, like in some translations, it's World War Two, which I guess would make more sense, but it's still stupid. Um, I, I only saw World yeah. War One. Yeah, so like, because it, it's from, like, okay, so I, I, does Pottermore explicitly say World War One? Is, is that it says what the Great it says? War? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the Great so, War yes. is World War One. Yeah. In the, I guess it's like some translation of the books in like Portuguese or something. It says World War Two. Because maybe, because maybe they thought that World War One, her being World War One, rightfully is quite a stupid idea. But um, yeah, it's it's just so many weird, unnecessary. Like the like these are the things. Like in that documentary we watched, where she's saying like, "Oh, I can tell you what all these characters have for breakfast and all their histories." It's like, yeah, that's good for a writer to do. You don't need to tell everyone everything. <laughs> Please, you don't, don't need to tell us this. Yeah, like, actually, fairly explicitly, don't tell me that Madame Hooch, the woman who teaches everyone how to play, or she's not even the Quidditch uh, teacher, she's she's the flying teacher, right? Yeah, she's like, like a gym w- instructor Yeah, the, we never yeah, see the, again. The gym teacher. Uh, it's the gym teacher who was also a flying ace in World War One. Like... Just don't, you don't need to give us that information. She's fine as it is. I'm shocked by how much world war one content there is there's so much there's like it's like a fake book that they have in fantastic beasts it's a book that tina and queenie own apparently and it's about um an owl air force that there apparently was for some reason 
Are you kidding me? I don't remember that. I, I don't know if it's just like a set piece, but there's a there's a whole page on the Harry Potter wiki for this book um, <gasps> about the Owl Air Force, and we don't know what the Owl Air Force did. Um, and oh wow! And there's just like there's so I I guess like during World War One the the I, I don't I don't know much about the the wizarding government at this time but I guess like Harry Potter's like great great grandfather Henry Potter wanted That's us right. yeah, I do. wanted the wizards to fight in the war and then the and then the Minister of Magic said no and like it's just I don't even know how to how to talk about it because it's just nuts and unnecessary. It's it's, it's not it's nuts because it's weird that you would write all that kind of stuff about the oh like oh this is where we should reveal ourselves and help the world in world war one the war that pretty much everyone agrees now was like the most fucking pointless and like you know useless war in in the history of the world and not like i don't know world war ii or something where there's at least like a pretty clear uh like delineation between good and evil i guess like yeah some kind world of war moral I, stand to take perhaps yeah as opposed to like world war one which which is basically like oh we should reveal our magic powers to help one of these countries in this weird land grab like great yeah and then to like answer the reason why the wizards wouldn't have been a huge deal in a in a war which they would because they're wizards it's like well there were wizards on both sides so they just oh, canceled fuck. each other out i guess um and also that they like the 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 wizards that like fought still like tried to stay secret which seems weird i feel like if you are in a life and death war situation that would probably be the last thing on your mind yeah i yeah just in probably my opinion. wouldn't care care about uh minister fudge wuggins uh statute of whatever the fuck while like tear gas is being shot at me you know like yeah. maybe maybe not the biggest uh biggest issue yeah maybe face uh, the music on that one later <laughs> <laughs> yeah where does where does mustard gas rank as far as unforgivable curses go is that like better than crucio is it worse i don't know these are the weird things that doing this opens you up to questioning over yeah i mean uh, luckily like very little has been said about world war ii um uh, so far is, i mean it's only it a matter of time one, right is it world war one or world war ii there's that incredible pottermore quote about um staying out like the telegrams where it's like staying out of this one and the the uh muggle minister sends back see that you do and it's like this very cutesy like oh they're so british oh, thing God, like, i can't remember it's all great. yeah that's it's one of the wars and yes it's all garbage um but madam hooch in the book i think she's great yeah. she serves the purpose of the scene that she's in and we did not need to know that she was a bomber yeah but we do speaking of things that we don't need to know i really like the troll scene until you think about all the other uh stuff we learned about trolls uh doing some research yeah well we'll get to that We'll, we'll yeah. have we'll have because we have two two great Pottermore segments and in the first chapter we had Madame Hooch and in the second one we'll have trolls. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess moving along in this chapter, it's just it's just like very action packed. Like it just kind of it moves you along at like a really like 
nice pace and it's just a lot of um harry and ron's fight with hermione um and then they um see fluffy so that's our big like plot moment right that's right yeah so they 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 get tricked by malfoy into going out after hours uh they run away from filch and then they end up in the forbidden corridor yeah and and that that stuff's all great fluffy's great fluffy i love fluffy um uh where's there's a there's a pretty incredible line about uh because so the in the in the last chapter we we ended with uh with harry thinking about all the questions that the reader should remember (laughs) this chapter does the same thing after they find fluffy uh, which is, the last paragraph is, it looked as though Harry had found out what the grubby little package from Vault 713 was. Ooh. Like, <laughs> just making the, just, just, just making those connections for you. It's very cute. I love it. It is cute. Um, and, uh, the, and Hermione has another iconic line in this one, which is, we could all have been killed or worse, expelled. So good. It's such a good character moment for her. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, well, there was also, well, there's also like just just as an, another example here, all the dialogue here is so good for for just like characterization. But this line, like after they see Fluffy, uh, Hermione, sorry, Hermione had got both her breath and her bad temper back again. <laughs> you don't use your eyes, any of you, do you? She snapped. Didn't you see what it was standing on the floor? Harry suggested. <laughs> like. <laughs> it's so good like they're so bitchy at each other and it's really adorable it's, it's really great um i i love all of them and um and they become friends in the next chapter or at the end of yes. next chapter which is chapter 10 halloween yes which is shorter and has less halloween in it than i re- for some reason i i thought that there was a lot more of the halloween feast before the troll happened but it's really just all the troll like that's that's everything that happens here yeah um i i think well first i want to say my my favorite line in all of our reading this week absolutely and it's the first chapter um or this chapter excuse me the beginning of this chapter and it's in reference to them uh getting very scared by the three-headed dog and it says indeed by the next morning harry and ron thought that meeting the three-headed dog had been an excellent adventure Yes, and, they, and was it they quite like to have another one or something like that? <laughs> yeah, like, I I just really liked that, and um, it's just uh, it extends the whimsy that I thought was just going to kind of be gone from like the first chapters. Yeah, and it's and it's it's such a good like it does it does two things right because it, it characterizes them and it also lampshades how not phased they are by a giant three-headed dog you know like like by direct kind of directly wrapping that into their um their reaction to the mystery that's in the book it's like we we said before these characters don't behave like actual 11 year olds but that's okay they're they're such good well-rounded characters yeah and they're they're yeah. they're very good. They they had a brush with death. They slept on it, and it was all great fun. Um, and now they think now they think it's kind of cool. Like it's <laughs> it's it's very yeah. Um, Harry gets his broom at breakfast. Um, I 
I like Hermione's dinger here because she says, so I suppose you think that's a reward for breaking rules, which again, she's being extremely annoying, but also she's right. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm yeah. really on board with her. Like this all seems very unfair. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think this is, this is the part where we go into the weakest part of these two chapters, which is Oliver Wood explaining the rules of Quidditch to Harry. And it takes like three <sighs> pages. And, and Harry repeats it back just in case you didn't catch it. Um, it's just, it's so long. Like everything else here is so short. Like I, I think we think about like the flying lesson, for instance, it's like half a page, maybe, maybe yeah. a full page. Um, and this is three and, and pages. <laughs> this is three pages. And like the weird part here is that I have so far, like, I, you know, I've had, questions and, and complaints but like most of everything i have i've said so far in, you know critiquing this book has mostly been drawing from my knowledge of what comes after it and like what this foundation is being laid for but like as an actual book like it not quite making logical sense all the time and just being a little bit nebulous and a little bit whimsical is totally fine like like you could that's a totally valid way to write a fantasy story the weird part here is that quidditch gets more rigid explanation in in these pages than like any of the magic does ever in this series which is just really weird it does it like i do not think we needed quidditch to be this explicitly laid out you know yeah it does not help that quidditch is just like i mean this is like beating a dead horse for like harry potter fans but quidditch is just honestly the worst game it's fucking stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, like in, I mean, this is the, this is the problem with, with this, right? Is like, you can have, you can make up a sport that doesn't really make much sense, but you can't also expect me to get invested in it, which is now what these books try to do, which I think is just maybe thinking about it. Like probably my, the weakest thing in all of the books for me is, is I have very, bad memories of being bored by the uh all the quidditch like uh games and, and subplots yeah i think i used to dread the quidditch chapters to be fair to them there's always something else going on like there's always like a plot thing you know the dementors are at the match or uh harry loses all his bones in this one but um <laughs> yeah uh, this just like extended explanation where harry just repeats the rules back and they're just so stupid and i i just hate it well it's it's a so the rules of quidditch are it's sort of like soccer except there are balls flying around that are trying to kill you and if one person finds a different ball they win more points than is probably feasible for the people playing the normal game to score. It's so weird. Yeah, I, I do. I do think it's funny that um, this, I, I just feel like it was kind of poorly thought out, which maybe is a bad judgment for me to make. And maybe it's just flat out not true, but I do like that. She tries to like course correct later on when like the world cup happens and it's like, Oh, well they, you know, scored so the chasers were so good and they scored so many points and crumb had to catch the snitch and just end the game and lose otherwise everyone was just gonna die or whatever <laughs> and, yeah. and it's also like very funny from like a sports perspective because that would never happen 
Well, yeah, like you, Matt, you're thinking about like the logistics of this. These are like the best teams in the world. Uh, and your goalie lets, what would it be, 15 goals in to get to the, to, to like what the, it's like, because it's 10 yeah, points. Like 10 hoop, points, right? but they, they would have had to get more because it's like they have to catch the snitch and they don't win. So they have to have at least 160 points. I just feel like if you're a, if you're a, a a sports manager and you watch your goalie let 15 goals in in any sport, it might be time to consider a roster change. I um, don't know. How about your seeker catching the snitch even though he knows he's going to lose? I'm sorry, but people would be <laughs> fucking pissed. Yeah, and, and it's like and it's treated as just like this, like oh, this is so good and that was so heroic. And I'm and I'm sorry, but if it's like. If that happened in any other sport in the biggest game of like the year, people would go ballistic. <laughs> I, I am like, yeah, no, like, I'm not a sports fan like at all. So I'm going to relate this back to the thing I know, and it's watching esports. And if you're like watching a game yeah. of League of Legends or whatever, and your team is just getting destroyed, and you're like, I'm just going to run it just down mid, everyone. Mid. I'm just going to go feed all these kills, guys. Like, I just, can't, I just can't win. Like, I'm, I'm like, heroically sacrificing myself for the team. It's so stupid. Uh, I, I don't know, like, who's, who's going to do that in Overwatch League? Do you just, like, insta-lock XQC fucking May and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like, walking at the enemy team? Like, guys, I'm saving us all from this, like, horrible... Yeah, Crumb insta-locked attack Torbjorn. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry for any for any non-esports fans listening I just I I just can't I can't and and really I'm not gonna have anything to talk about when we get to our world cup chapter but I'm this is the stupidest sport and I hate it it's a dumb sport which is it's so frustrating too because I I legitimately love Harry's response to when he first starts flying and realizes he's good at it that's really cool i love that chapter i wish it didn't it wasn't the harbinger of like and now you get to read at least two chapters of this in every book coming up like yeah it, it puts it um i think it somewhat serves the plot like he he has to be you know all the all the stuff are like surrounding quidditch is fine like the the fanfare and the kind of like like the, the, pur- the purpose that it serves didn't need the explicit uh rule stuff you know like the purpose it serves of like this is the wizard sports culture which i love that stuff like i said i love that mcgonagall is super into it like i do like the world cup chapters in goblet of fire up to the part where they actually play the game like i i like that sort of like through a mirror darkly version of soccer culture but, like, I think you can do that without having to walk me through the, like, painstaking rules, you know? Yeah, I think it would have been funny if she made it just, like, too complicated. Like, it was just, like, extremely complicated. Like, and mm-hmm. just deliberately didn't explain it. That would be good. Or or just, like, take the snitch out. I don't know. Just make it soccer with, like, smacking some other balls around, like... That would be fine. It's just like the snitch stuff is, especially when you get into the extended lore and you find out that the Quidditch used to be played with a little actual bird that nearly went extinct because they loved to crush it or That's whatever. So sad. Like, I hate that. It's insane. Um, yeah, it's bad. This- I, well, I also learned uh, as a small aside that people that play real life Quidditch, um, they uh, play they the snitch is a, a human person. 
that runs around campus, <laughs> right? Like very funny. Yeah, Quidditch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, let's move on from Quidditch because we we uh, <laughs> have our other Pottermore segment, which is the troll. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess I'll say good stuff about this scene. It's great. Um, Harry and Ron going to save Hermione is so in character, um, just because it's like so stupid. <laughs> but yeah. you know, well, because it's their fault that it's in there with her, like, like which they explicitly call out, which is fun. Yeah, it's like, just it's very it's very it's, cute. Um, I think again, this is another one from the movie where I'm just like I remember this like extended action sequence, and this is just like very short and sweet. Um, you you pointed out the funniest line, I think probably in all of our reading oh do you want to read that one the hair is it is this the it's, the yeah, jump? His jump uh harry then did something that was both very brave and very stupid he took a great running jump and managed to fasten his arms around the troll's neck from behind i'd just like to point out that three pages before it just said that the troll was 12 feet tall so harry can do <laughs> harry can do a flying 12 foot jump which is pretty fucking impressive we honestly. just learned that he's a superstar athlete so. Yeah, that's true and he he doesn't know what basketball is so maybe maybe he if he had been a muggle he just would have been a star basketball player i believe that yeah um so yeah all this stuff is great um i i really like that the wand accidentally goes in the troll's nose because i don't like the idea of them doing that deliberately <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and it's all like fun and gross and and there's and there's the cute character development moment with Ron doing Wingardium Leviosa correctly to save Hermione. It's like it's all very pat and cute. Yeah. Um I also I feel like Hermione didn't have to lie. I think everything that happened, you know, I don't think anyone would have been in trouble, but I I respect it. I know why she did it and I, I thought it was cute. Yeah. And it it definitely works and and the scene they're the scene of them coming together at the very end is just so sweet and and uh it, it it's it's cute that all of them acknowledge I, privately i'm assuming that like one part of this was all their fault like you know because her, her um you know hermione was off in the 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 bathroom like not paying attention to the the emergency like call <laughs> thing uh like harry and ron like explicitly say that like well we probably wouldn't have had to have saved her if you know we hadn't locked it in there with her on accident like nothing went smoothly here but it all worked out which is something i always appreciate in stories like um like this wasn't like their genius plan to save her it was just like well we have to do this because it's kind of our fault and it all works out and and they they all thank each other and and come together it's it's this is it's moments like this where it's like okay i i'm rereading this i totally understand why people are getting hooked on these characters why this book is so successful um and why people like us got so frustrated when these characters started being mishandled yeah i this is all really cute and i just i i like them all very much when this happens and it's such a believable uh a moment for them and it kind of it wraps it all up by saying like you can't you can't fight off a mountain troll and not be friends and um, i just think that's all yeah. really cute it's good yeah um i think 
so we're about 60 we have we have a few more chapters left i guess next we have quidditch uh, which i'm not looking forward to but we're we're like running up on the end of this book pretty fast and i'm really enjoying this one more than i was expecting yeah it, it's been it's, really fun like i finish our our chapters for the week and i want to keep reading except for this next one because it's quidditch but um for the, <laughs> for the most part I'm, I'm really enjoying it which i guess it's it's good that we watched these documentaries earlier for some some grounding i guess because it's it's otherwise we we would have been you know been reading all this like oh we're coming in we don't like these books anymore actually we love it where it's like no i love this book i know where it's going i know too much about the author at this point (laughs) like um yeah it's uh it's weird it's 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 and it's i guess there's sort of the added tragedy or not really tragedy but like the added uh disappointment it's like i love this thing and i know where it's going and i know that the author is a horrible turf on twitter like we know that uh madam hooch uh was in world war one um you know the (laughs) american wizards have an execution chamber we know that um, trolls are sentient mm, and they're uh, semi sentient. Semi, yeah, quote unquote semi sentient. <laughs> I don't know what that and, means. Uh, and there's a famous there's a famous wizard who uh, suggested that we should get rid of them all because they are too stupid to live, <laughs> which is great. I don't know. I don't know what semi sentient means in this context. I feel like it's kind of a you are you're 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 not, you know. Yeah, like it's got to be that like they're more animal than like creature with society, right? Except that that doesn't make any sense because it has clothes and tools, right? So like, well, okay, but so so I'm yeah. I'm getting this from the wiki, and I will say that the wiki is is notoriously um, bad, but like it's in a yeah. like sidebar area, and it says like troll. And it's like sentience and it's like semi sentient. And then in parentheses, it says like, because of low intelligence. And I'm like, I don't just, I just don't think that's what <laughs> sentience means. Also it was Me extremely too. rude. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, like this is a, this is a creature that I guess is dumb or whatever. Um, <laughs> but it has a club and it has trousers yeah it, it it i was thinking for a moment that maybe the clothes were a movie edition but uh it says trousers it does, right there um ron wipes the the troll boogers off on the the trolls trousers yeah so like again this is something that that wouldn't i wouldn't even bat an eyelid about if this was the only book you know but then we have to just get this extra shit of like the like political and social uh uh hierarchy of magical creatures being a like thing that constantly comes up in this series as it goes on makes this super weird like like because like trolls are security trolls right like they they talk about no so (laughs) so this troll that we encountered in this chapter is a mountain troll and they are notoriously stupid um and there are security trolls which are smarter and by that it means they're smart enough to train to be security trolls um and do they get paid are they owned like 
there's so many not good questions here. They do show up. The security trolls, I guess, show up in the book, although I have no recollection of this. And they also show up a lot in the video games, which makes sense because they're perfect video game villains. And fun <laughs> yeah, fact, good video game enemy. They have a um, a move that's like a a magic barrier, so you try to like attack them, and they they shield it. Um, Very. There. I can't. Yeah. There's been some. Uh, so so I think. I, I really can't remember. I, there's, there is, it's slightly contradictory because there's been something in the extended universe stuff that says that trolls have no magic. And then there's another thing that says they have like some rudimentary magic. It's just like uh, more and more stuff that we probably don't need answers to, but have been filled out because of, because of the nature of like how thorough and bizarre the extended universe for Harry Potter is. I just, I just want this to be a story about some kids that save their friend from a troll. Like that, that's all it needs to be. I mean, this, this is something that, that isn't just extended universe too, because we are quickly going to be into the realm of talking about the ethics of the ministry registering non-human magical oh. creatures. And I don't think that like trolls come up in that, but it does, you know. Yeah. Cause that's goblins and centaurs and house elves and all that, all that wonderful and- stuff. Um, and and to consider that, like, with Fantastic Beasts, um, you can look at that companion book that the movie was based on, and in, and in the like book, I think that there's like a guide about like how how dangerous and like what the Ministry considers them. Like, are they are they people? Do they have personhood? Are they animals? And it's like this book where it's like you can read about werewolves who are people, and also read about like magic dogs. Yeah, the Krupp, which is a dog with two tails, very, uh, very imaginative. Well, yeah, she made up all this, all everything. Yeah, she made it all up. Nothing from folklore. Yeah, it's, I, it's very strange. It's it's weird thinking about. I, I, I you know, I'm actually really curious to to read that book when we get to it. The, the that side book because it, that like that's like like borderline like eugenics right like like the the subtle science of determining whether something is human or not like i feel like if you can talk to it probably is a person you know that's, yeah that seems reasonable to me i feel like if they make pants yeah, <laughs> wear yeah pants. If they have like <laughs> i don't know maybe they don't on purpose maybe this is Quirrell's troll and he dresses it up yeah he, he Quirrell put pants on it because he didn't want to offend the children yeah um so yeah <laughs> we we can look forward to our fantastic beast reading and also our quidditch of the through the ages region reading which i'm sure is going to be really exciting <laughs> oh did you see that you can get an audiobook of that now read by the guy from the walking dead which is just like a combination of maybe my two least favorite things <laughs> uh that's very unfortunate yeah anyway all this shit aside uh as is, I think these chapters are maybe my favorite so far. Yeah, Not, I, yeah, I think, yeah, I think me too. I still have a fondness for the Dursley chapters, like way more than I ever thought I would. Yeah, um, but these we're really getting to it, and um, we're solving solving the mystery of the grubby package and Gringotts and the trapdoor, and you know what's yeah. going to happen next. I'm excited. Shall we go to our break? We'll take a break, and then I have a game for you. Ooh, can't wait. 
Hello! We are back from our break. Hello! Um, and, okay, so, last week you grilled me on fanfiction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the week before that, I grilled you on uh, Harry Potter uh, content, I guess, capital C content. Mm -hmm. um, and I was thinking about doing that again this week, but unfortunately, a bunch of those accounts are suspended again. What? Uh, yeah, right? It's the worst. Uh, uh, Hogwarts log logic was deleted, by the way. I don't know if you saw me say that. Are there two Hogwarts logics? I swear I have one on my timeline, but it, there might, are be, two. it might be Hogwarts logics. Uh, Hogwarts logics. So there's one There's one that has like a colorful Deathly Hallows logo that's mm -hmm. still around. The one with the black and white Deathly Hallows logo has been deleted as far as I can tell. Uh, unfortunate. Um, so in lieu of that, uh, so we've been watching some JK Rowling documentaries and we've been seeing, uh, all of her wonderful, uh, likes and, and retweets recently. So <laughs> I figured it was a good opportunity to mine through her Twitter. Um, I've selected some tweets here and I've also made up some and uh -oh. it's your job to identify which of these are real Rowling tweets and which <laughs> of these are tweets I made up. This is this is gonna be tough, I think. I, I hope so, but I yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see how you do here. Um uh I wanted to call this segment Oh No She Twittin', but that would be a nightmare to so <laughs> um okay. Uh I'm gonna go so I'm gonna so I'll read you the tweet, I'll tell you when the date it, uh, it's from is and I'll I, I'll I can tell you the number of tweets and uh, retweets and likes just like before um, okay. are you ready for your first one yeah I'm ready my tennis game is non-existent feeble little arms like a t-rex due to years of typing 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 strong fingers though what <laughs> <laughs> um I strong fingers yeah is that, is that real do you get strong fingers from typing uh i type a lot and i don't know I don't, my fingers I don't, my finger, I don't feel particularly strong my fingers crack a lot uh so take that as you will i think that's unrelated i i just i don't know i type a ton uh and i don't feel like i have just you know superhuman finger strength right um, um i also don't think that the point like i don't know i guess like t-rex arms aren't muscly like you don't think of them <laughs> way but i mostly think of them as being short, short. so just imagine jk rowling with very short arms um so I, I just like i don't think that weakened arms are necessarily short arms um <laughs> i'm i'm really picking up on the the um the word feeble because I feel like she used that word in one of the documentaries we watched. Stephen Fry did. 
Oh yeah. Well, they're good friends though. Yeah. Her tennis game. Uh, I no. Th- there's no way. This is not real. I'm sorry. This is real. That's a real tweet from 11th July 2015. 2015? Yeah. How many retweets did that one get? Oh, got 775. How how many comments? How many, like, replies? Did this get Uh, ratioed because it should have? Oh, yeah, it it did, actually. It has 150 replies. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll take the take the loss on that one. All right. Uh, you ready for your next one? Mm-hmm. Personally, I've never understood why so many people are upset, in quotes, with me over Hedwig's death. She was an owl, not a person. I could have killed other, more important characters, you know. Huh. Um... If she wrote it, I hate it. If you wrote it, you are a villain. <laughs> Horrible villain to say such a villainous thing. As J.K. Rowling. As J.K. Rowling. Um, I do, like, I do think she has this weird preoccupation about talking about characters she's killed in a really weird way. Although I'm starting to think that's that's like an author thing. Um, yeah, authors love that shit. Like, uh, yeah, they can't get enough of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so weird because I don't think that I've heard her say anything about Hedwig's death. Like, I yeah. feel like I've heard her talk extensively about deaths in the books well she loves talking about fred and george right like right like like how like like no he's not okay but she never talks about hedwig um that i that i've seen i don't know maybe she has um and and it's funny because i i remember before the fifth book came out which um would have been at that time of the documentary we watched and maybe it was in there where she talks, she's like, talks like, oh, like someone's gonna die. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, and she would like drop clues. Cause I remember obsessing over that as a kid. I was like, who is it gonna be? Um, and then I also read that Pottermore feature when I was on my favorite website, Pottermore, um, <laughs> that was like, J.K. Rowling said that Hagrid was never going to die, which is yeah, just such oh. a like a bizarre thing to say. Ha- yeah, Hagrid was never going to I die. Was never going to kill Hagrid. Um, I think you made this up. I don't think she talks about Hedwig's death. You are correct. I did make that one up. <laughs> I, I think I think you want to talk about Hagrid's death. Hagrid, Hedwig's death. I do because it's fucked up. We'll get there. Okay. We'll talk about All right. it. All right, one, for two. one for two. Ready for your next one? Yeah. Download Pocket Edition Minecraft immediately and lose yourself in the soothing bliss of breaking rocks and killing zombies. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm just gonna think all these are made up. 
because her tweets are Would J.K. Rowling play Minecraft? A cursed fucking question. This is a cursed question. Um, I guess, uh, here's the thing. I do think she has kids that are the right age for Minecraft. Mm -hmm. I think. Because I know she has an older daughter and then she has two more kids. But I don't, I I mean, I think think they would have been around that age. Mm Mm-hmm that they probably would have been obsessed with minecraft bonkers for minecraft at the right time you think that yeah, lines up maybe? those 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 cactus those scary cacti um the oh, the, creep, the creepers i'm sure the yeah. um the blocks of dirt jk rowling uh, loves dirt <laughs> um so I'm gonna say it's real because I I so stupid though it's real. That your final answer? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's real. No, I wanted to be wrong. <laughs> that is that is a hundred percent real. I don't like I I don't like Minecraft. Um, a lot of people do. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> it's I'm very bad at it um it, it's it's kind of whatever who's the who's the um the minecraft guy that oh, turned into steve. like a weird oh. jerk okay i thought you meant minecraft no, steve the main not character minecraft steve <laughs> um <laughs> you're talking about you're talking about notch who sucks yeah, I'm talking big about notch. I'm, I'm wondering if jk rowling would be a fan of notch oh i should look into that i should I don't, look and see I don't if there's know what overlap his... I don't know what his deal is. Like, is he a weird, like, libertarian that lives in a castle with? Uh, he toys? yes, he bought Jay Z's old mansion, I think it is, and he installed a like candy dispenser wall. But there's some like, uh, like Wired magazine or something. I don't know exactly what it is. Like some profile where like he tells the writer not to go to the candy wall right now because no one's used it, and so all the candy's going moldy. Which is just really fucking perfect. I'm just imagining J.K. Rowling going to Notch's mansion. <laughs> yeah, we're taking your kids there. Yeah, like yeah. I have okay. I have access to the to the Minecraft man. <laughs> okay, well that was real. J.K. Rowling is a Minecrafter. That's right. All right, you ready for number four? Yeah, am I? Am I? I got two, right? Yeah, you got two for three. You're doing good. Damn. Uh, because I have no spatial awareness, can't work machinery, and have a tenuous grasp on reality, it's really best for everyone I don't drive. Um, this is, like, extremely in her style. Like, it just just sounds like her to me. Like, Mm -hmm. all of her tweets are written in this way. Yeah. Um, Like, this, like, weird, like, kind of twee whimsy i'm a writer style mm-hmm. um also i find um jk rowling like uncomfortably relatable sometimes because i hear that and i'm like oh yeah that's me too um, <laughs> and and i hate it um so okay I, you are hermione and jk rowling is mafalda the deleted character except that she's real and was not deleted Oh, J.K. Rowling's like my 
yeah my your evil, evil foil yeah that i have a lot in common with also exactly that seems true um and i this is a tough one i just i guess i've never seen her drive she has a private jet so why, why would she need to <laughs> hmm i'm gonna say this is real right again that is a real tweet i huh yeah i mean it was it's it's definitely in her in her unique unique style yes her very uh writerly tweets fully they're always properly punctuated and and conversational it's very british Mm -hmm. very good all right are you ready for your final tweet yes It's really quite a shame that Game of Thrones has gotten so silly. I know George's writing, and the direction the adaptation is going clearly has nothing to do with his work. Oh, no. Jeez. This... Does she know him? I... These are the questions. Does J.K. Mm -hmm. Rowling know Notch? Does J.K. Rowling know Minecraft Steve? <laughs> Does J.K. Rowling know uh, George R.R. R. Martin? Um, I feel like it's like really plausible that they could know each other. Right? I also just get this weird feeling that J.K. Rowling doesn't read fantasy books, though. Yeah, I can see I, that. I, I have nothing to base that on, but I just like get this. I mean, she thinks she makes she made it all up. Which I could see if maybe she has never read a fantasy book and has just like soaked up all of the like fantasy tropes like via mm-hmm. cultural osmosis and therefore thinks she made it all up. <laughs> and Wiccans can't go to Hogwarts. Yeah, I know Wiccans um, at Hogwarts, please. No, it just doesn't work. Um, I also, I have read Game of Thrones, the books. I have watched some of game of thrones the tv show but lost interest and i know that the tv show has gone past the like end of the books right like yeah, they're doing new the stuff yeah and, the... and jkr is saying that it's not his vision which seems like kind of a faux pas for a writer you know but also we know that jk rowling loves to say weird bullshit that no one asked her about so yeah i mean this would be really rich considering she hates it when people speculate about what she's writing (laughs) i will say i thought the last game of thrones books like the last two were pretty bad yeah i think most people don't like that because not to get too into the weeds here but they they like changed the like point of view structure and broke it out and it didn't jump around as much and it just wasn't as interesting yeah yeah well i mean we've talked about the hobbit so we might as well talk about game of thrones right (laughs) do they they play golf in game of thrones uh i don't think it ever comes up but i would say that if there is a sport in game of thrones since it is like ye olde european golf would be the one that's my take yeah they're just all too busy to play golf probably yeah, too busy scheming. I, yeah, the, those those uh, those folks don't have a whole lot of downtime. I don't feel. No. Um. 
I I think you made this one up. I I don't think she I don't think she would criticize someone else's or she's not criticizing his thing, but I don't think I think See that's the thing, right? It's like a it's it's kinda like a weird backhanded compliment, right? Right. Like she's saying the show is bad and what he's gonna put out is is way better um yeah are people not liking the show like in general i'm so i'm so disconnected from it's pretty any of this i i thought it was fine i'm i'm still enjoying it for what it's worth but like yeah the it's gotten pretty mixed people are people think it's gotten too like action heavy and cuts around too much and oh i'm I'm starting to i'm starting to second guess now because i'm like i i feel like she would watch it and not like it maybe and no, I, I think it's fake. I don't I don't think she would she would comment. <laughs> you are correct. I made that one up. <laughs> <laughs> You're just trying to get me get me rowdy about Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's true. We, okay, it's... You tried to get me rowdy about Game of Thrones and Hedwig. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was going for the throat. I I had to I had to throw something in there. I just, I can't remember her ever commenting about someone else's work or writing. Right. Well, except the, uh, the white pony. I loved the white pony. Uh, JK uh, Rowling. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can find just, out all about that in the documentary. Yeah. I think that the white pony might be the only fantasy book she's read. I have, I have nothing to base this on. I just, I just really. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Do you think she read Twilight? um i bet she read because twilight was the first thing to knock her off the bestseller list right because they were coming around the same time all i I know is that twilight was like the one where everyone was like if you like harry potter then you'll love twilight which is right so i feel like if if she did she like read it out of spite you know like like got bought it poured a big big glass of wine uh and like hate read it maybe i bet she would like twilight hmm there's that there's that famous mm -hmm. the famous what the oh the there's that famous uh image that's like the fake image of her talking about uh 50 shades of gray oh Um, yeah that gets circulated a lot yeah and like it's total bullshit i don't think she ever actually said that because she's talking about a child uh but uh what's it, the thing that's like harry would be more creative with his wand or whatever the fuck <sighs> yeah it's it's a very weird one and it always goes around and like the resolution is really low yeah it gets like more and more pixelated it's yeah it's that good that good shit on the internet i just think that she would like twilight um only because uh, my evidence is the epilogue of Harry Potter, where she seems like really invested in this like, like fantasy of like the domestic getting, fantasy. Yeah, the like domestic like childhood sweetheart like yeah get totally. married have kids write out their family tree yeah kind of thing totally. and I feel like Twilight plays into that a lot. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll do some research yeah we'll We'll get to to the bottom of this this is a fun game though yeah you did you did very well uh i guess i'm not you know i've i feel like i've absorbed a lot of jk rowling material but i guess i'm not quite there on impersonating her 
I, yeah, I, I think she has a style um, yeah. that I'm very tuned into. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I know it. Um, but I think that it was good because I got to hear her do a real tweet about Minecraft. That's great. And, and maybe she's playing Minecraft right now, listening to Shrieking Shack. Oh yeah, probably. Um, but she can't come on the show because she's a turf. So that's right. No turfs allowed. Sorry, I'm I'm rescinding the invitation I offered her on the first episode. Um, we'll t maybe talk about that when she uh, addresses this. But for anyone else who's listening to Shrieking Shack, I would like to say, uh, if you're enjoying the show, please drop us a review on iTunes. Uh, we've started getting some, and it's a good way for us to start spreading this thing out. Yeah, um, and you can follow us on Twitter also. Oh, yeah, at, at ShriekCast. Um, and there, I believe in the bio for that, you can follow our personal accounts if you want to see our other work. Um, uh, oh, and if you're reading along with us, yes, uh, we are next week going to do three chapters because we're coming up on the end of this book. So we're going to get our, you know, do three chapters of you know, action packed stuff out of the way. So that uh, leaves us with, uh, let's see, chapter 11, 12, and 13. That's right. For next um, week. Yeah. So that'll give us, so give us some runway, I think, to when we get to the end of the book, uh, kind of give it a post-mortem and stuff in the last episode. We are coming up fast on the end here. Um, forgot how short this book was. Yeah, it's, it's fast. It's snappy. It's, it's going by quick. Um, uh, so if you're reading along with us, uh, great. But as always, we still encourage you to please read another book. Please read another book. 